what up? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we brought you guys one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet, Julian Juicy J. Arosa. Julian is a UFC fighter, and he trains out of Extreme Couture MMA in Las Vegas, which you guys should know because we've had on their head honchos the last, I don't know, 10 episodes or so. We've had on Eric Nixick, Eddie Barocco, Dewey Cooper, all great dudes, man, and it's been a hell of a time to be able to chat with them and talk some talk some fucking fighting, man, some goon shit, and no better than that than to have Julian Juicy J. Rosa, man. He's an absolute killer, and we talked about his last fight. We talked about all kinds of shit. And uh, you guys are going to really enjoy this interview. So without further ado, I bring to you Julian Juicy J. Orosa. Alternate take. What is up? We are back, man. And we brought you guys the UFC fighter himself, Julian Juicy J. Orosa. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going, brother? Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Um, Dude, well, first of all, starting off with I was at your last fight. It was the shit. I was a little hammered because it was for a bachelor party, <laughs> oh, yeah. but it was good shit, man. Um, but before we get to all your latest successes, man, let's start from the beginning. Let's start where the humble beginnings of Julian Arosa, man. Where do you come from? And tell me about your family and all that good stuff, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, I grew up, you know, uh, skateboarding and snowboarding and, uh, I'm from a small town in Washington state, uh, Yakima. And, um, uh, what kind of comes with the territory of skateboarding was, you know, we'd get in fights at the skate park. Um, and, uh, I never really was a fighter. I'm pretty non-confrontational. And then, uh, I got into a couple of scraps when I was younger and, uh, kind of fell in love with it and, uh, started watching it on TV, started watching the WEC with my dad. And, um, we were curious about any like MMA gyms in our town because we never really had seen anything. And I was pretty like underground still, you know, this was like, Holy crap, this was uh, probably like 16 years ago, you know, so uh, it was still kind of underground and people thought, you know, MMA was uh, like human cockfighting still. So um, <laughs> we went and we found a gym and, uh, uh, you know, I walked in and started training and I had a few amateur fights and it kind of, you know, uh, it goes from there. You know, I, I fell in love with it. Um, and uh, then I, you know, I, I kind of grew out of the uh, the size of the gym that was there in Yakima. And so eventually, you know, about five and a half years ago, I moved out to Vegas. And then, uh, you know, and also I had, you know, a whole string of things, you know, I was on the ultimate fighter as well. Um, and then I did the contenders and I did the, I did the ultimate fighter and I was coming from that small town. So, you know, I was really, uh, kind of starstruck, you know, we had Uriah Faber and all his team on our, for our coaches. And then Conor McGregor, right when he was getting, you know, becoming Conor McGregor was the rival coach. So, it was, uh, it was a big, you know, a big event in my life. And, uh, you know, I was a bit starstruck and, uh, you know, I kind of just seen it all at once and, you know, and I did really well in the show. I ended up, you know, losing to get to the finale. Um, and, uh, but I was three and one and then I was one and one in the UFC after that. And they had cut me and that was a bit surprising because usually the UFC will give you more than one opportunity to lose, you know, if you guys sign, especially doing as good as I did in the ultimate fighter, me and Mehdi Baghdad had gotten the fight of the season as well. So, um, and the only reason why I lost was because they brought Artem Loboff back. You know, he, I beat, Medi beat him to get in the house, uh, and then uh, I beat Medi Baghdad my very first fight after getting in the house, and then Artem beat me. But Artem should have been in the house anyways. The only reason why he was was because Conor McGregor is like was like his best friend. So, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. If I was Artem, I'd be riding those coattails, those coattails too at that time, especially. But uh, anyway, so you know, did the Ultimate Fighter was one on one, got cut, and then uh, went back to the regional scene and had uh, you know like like. I can't remember how many fights I had outside. I think it was like seven, maybe five and two or something like that. Um, and then I uh, did the contenders and knocked out Jamal Emmers and thought I was going to get a contract. And they decided to pass on me on that one as well, which was very, <laughs> very upsetting because, you know, you go to the contenders and, you know, you look to win your fight. I mean, that's the most important thing is to go in there and win your fight, but also to be spectacular and, and to show what you got in front of Dana to try to get that contract. And, I basically did everything you could imagine. You know, me and him had a good round and a half, not even a round and a half. It was a, you know, first round, like maybe a minute and a half of the second round. Uh, but it was an exciting fight. I was a two and a half to one underdog against Jamal Emmers. And then I head kick knocked him out. Uh, you know, probably, you know, a highlight real knockout. You know, if I was in the UFC doing that, they probably would have given me a bonus, you know? So uh, the fact that they didn't give me a, a contract was a bit frustrating. Um and, uh, you know, I think the contenders is a little bit different now than it was. You know, if you do that now, 
you get any finishing contenders, you're, they're signing you. And it almost seems like they're over-signing. Like, they're signing a lot of guys, like, every single uh, episode. And back when I would do the contenders, it was like, sometimes they would walk away with, like, no contract. So it was like, um, I think there's it's a little bit different now. Um, but, you know, I don't regret any of the any part of the path that it took me to get here because, you know, that was one of those learning experiences. I did really well, and they still said no to me. So, um, you know, I had to switch some stuff up uh, management-wise and get someone behind me that was, uh, you know, the top of their game in the management scene. And Jason House and Iridium Sports Agency uh, really pushed, you know, for me and was able to get me back in the UFC. And then I uh, lost three fights in a row, which was, you know, was probably the most devastating thing, you know, to deal with, you know. I met Jason, had lunch or had dinner with him and his wife, my wife, and we were sitting there talking. And I'm like, "Yo, I just did this on contenders." Like, 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 even he, because my coach is friends with Jason, and Jason had told him, like, "Yo, man, if I was managing that kid, I would have got him in the UFC after that contenders fight." Like, no doubt. Like, those, it's like he was a shoe in. And uh, so I talked to Jason, and then he was gonna, he, he ended up signing me. But like that night, I was like, "Yo, Jason, I'm like one of the best featherweights." If I get in the UFC, I, I guarantee you I'll do good. And it was just such a disappointment because, you know, he signs me. I get in the UFC again. And I go 0 for 3. And it was a, there was some circumstantial stuff on that 0 for 3 run. I fought Devontae Smith on a short notice, uh, like up a weight class against a guy who had 8-1 and one with eight first-round knockouts. So, you know, I ended up getting knocked out by Devontae Smith. Uh, but that was a fight I shouldn't have even taken. Uh, Jason had told me, hey, man, we can either get you in – on this fight right now, if you want, or we can wait and get you a featherweight fight. I know you're a featherweight. We can do that. And I was all like, I was in the mindset of like, fuck it, man. I'll, I'll fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I was a bit too ambitious uh, in that, in that, at that time. And so I ended up taking that fight and getting knocked out. And then, then I uh, fought Grant Dawson and I ended up having an ear infection. It was on antibiotics, but I, I told myself, like, fuck, man, if I pull from this fight, who knows? Maybe the UFC just says, nope, you're done. Like, like we can't have you. Like, you're pulling from fights or losing fights. Like, now nah, we can't have that happen. So end up going in that fight. And, uh, you know, for as shitty as I felt, you know, into the third round, uh, I felt like I did halfway decent. I mean, I was the only guy he still hasn't finished or whatever. Uh, well, at that time, he was uh, – he hadn't finished uh, – all of his – all of his uh, – all of his wins were, were finishers. He had, like, 15 of them or something. But – wasn't able to finish me, but still it was a horrible performance and I felt so shitty and I was, and it was hindsight is 2020. Should have taken the Devontae fight. I should have, should have pulled out of the uh, Grant Dawson fight. And then I lost to Julio Arce, which I felt like I was up uh, like maybe two. I felt like it was a close fight before I got knocked out and I felt like I was taking over in that fight and I was frustrating him and I felt good and then I got knocked out. And then I just thought, this is it, man. I'm never going to be in the UFC again. So you know, you start like rethinking, like, like, what the hell should I do? Like, should I even fight anymore? Like, I don't even know. Like, do I, am I just a good regional scene fighter or like a lower level guy? Like, or I just can't hang with these guys at the, the elite level of the UFC. And, um, just was so disappointed too, that I hadn't been able to showcase what I do. Like I've done so many, like I've had so many good fights that aren't on tape, like on regional shows, like like that, like there's really no evidence of it. Just people who were there, you know, like knockouts, you know, submissions against tough kids, you know, in the Northwest that were, you know, that have also like reached the level of like contenders and, you know, trying to get in the ultimate fighter and stuff like that. So uh, have really good wins over a lot of good dudes, but I just haven't been able to showcase it on the big stage. And I, that was the biggest thing I was frustrated with was wasn't necessarily that I was losing. It's just that I wasn't able to showcase what I could do. And, uh, then Jason was able to get me the short notice fight against Sean Woodson, uh, you know, during um, the COVID. And that's pretty much what saved my career in the UFC was I was one in four cut for a second time. I didn't think they were going to ever ask me to fight again. And Jason said, man, if we can get you a couple wins outside the UFC, get you back in. I'm like, back in. I'm like, I was thinking like maybe Bellator or like PFL or like, like anywhere I can go make some money. Like, let's go do that. He's like, no, man, Sean likes you. We can get you a couple of wins out of here and then get you back in. I'm like, you know, I just put my, my trust and my belief into my management. And sure enough, uh, you know, COVID came around. People were falling out left and right. It was like every card, there was like three three fights with like short notice guys because of the whole COVID. And uh, I know, um, God, I can't remember his name. Canadian guy. But he couldn't make it to fight Sean Woodson. Um, and uh, so they actually went with Daniel Pineda instead. But Daniel Pineda also ended up having COVID, I guess. So I was like the third guy in line. <laughs> To, get, to even get the shot and uh you know it was like a roller coaster of, of emotion because it was jason was like yo man 
you know, stay ready. Your fight, you know, a fight might happen. And actually, the previous weeks, fights had fallen out, and I was on that list. And it was like me and like two other guys. They would go with another guy, go with another guy. And then this week, it was like, oh, like I think Sean, the Sean Woodson fight's gonna be good for you. I think we're gonna get that fight. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And then there was a time where he's like, ah, they were gonna go with someone else. And then, then, uh, then there was another time when like, like it was literally like hours later. He's like, nope, they're gonna go with you. And then, then again, I went to go get my my uh, blood work done. And then I got there, and he called me, and he's like, oh. They're actually going to go with Daniel Pineda. And I'm like, all right, man, it's fine. And then uh, I was driving home. And he's like, well, still go get your all your medicals done. Let's just get you ready. Like that way, you know, there's no question about it. You'll just have your medicals done to be ready to go. So I went to go get my medicals done the next day. And I came back home and uh, it was like Wednesday. And he's all like, yo, we got the fight. Daniel couldn't pass a test. And I was like, oh, let's fucking go. <laughs> so it was like literally like two different times, two or three different times. I thought I was going to fight and then I wasn't going to fight. And then I was going to fight again. So. I think that kind of took a lot of the stress off anyways because, like, a lot of people at fight camps, you know, they're, like, so freaking dead focused on something. I was having fun, man. I mean, it was COVID. It was like a summer vacation for all of us, you know. <laughs> and she, I had she, a week before I fought Sean Woodson. I had I drank six beers that weekend. I fucking, you know, the Saturday before, I remember, because after the fight, we had talked about it, and I was like, fuck, man, I was eating Taco Bell. Fucking had six beers that night. <laughs> But what I was doing was I was being very diligent throughout the entire week. And I would always just like, like on Saturday, I knew I wasn't getting a fight, obviously, because they, you know, it's Saturday, the fights are already happening. So I knew I wasn't going to get a short notice fight. So Saturday, I would like just, I would just let myself relax for a little bit and, you know, enjoy some things and then, uh, then get back to training hard. And I was training, I was training my ass off. I was training just as hard as I would be in fight camps during that time when gyms were closed. You know, we'd, I'd ride my bike like, you know, 50 miles every other day uh, to and from practices like that. We would just kind of like freestyle. You know, we were grappling in my buddy's uh, uh, garage. He had a nice little mat. So there was like eight of us that would go there like almost every single day. We would grapple. We'd go on hikes. We just, you know, we'd have a good time, but we were still training. We just, you know, a, a bunch of fighters don't know what to do during something like that. You know, no one was working. No one was doing anything else. So like. All we did, we had nothing else to do except for like go on hikes, uh, you know, and and then uh, and and UFC was the only thing that was going on. So like we were still watching the fights and stuff, and and then uh, you know having Jason, you know, put pushing my name, I was like, man, uh, maybe I will get another shot. Like I was, so it was starting to like seem like something that was you know like that that was realistic that could possibly happen. And um, and then sure enough, you know, I took the Sean Wilson fight, and that's basically what got my career back. And Ever since then, you know, five for six in the UFC, been really putting it together, and 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 more than just winning fights, I'm just so happy I've been able to showcase what I do in the gym every freaking day, and you know, on the on those regional scene and on the smaller shows, like what I've been able to do there, I've been able to translate to the UFC against some top, you know, top dudes, you know, really tough, durable guys, and uh, and just be successful, you know, that's uh, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Dude, that's what I think is the most uh fucking cool part about the whole thing, though, man. Is the one in fighting, and it's 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 uh, it happens in other sports too, but specifically fighting. Like, where your success in the gym and how hard you work doesn't always translate to results, and it's frustrating, man, because injuries happen, um, unexpected knockouts happen, all, all kinds of random shit happens, and like you can be killing it all week, and something happens, and that's that's just the most frustrating part for like I would imagine for you, the fighter, obviously, but for your management, for your coach, everything, because you're like, fuck, man, we're no way better than this guy, and and. And it's like only in it's way more magnified in, in UFC when it's that. But I think the best part is is the story all involved, man. It's it's movie shit. I love it. It's 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 not giving up on your dream. It's where you come from. Um, and then getting into it late, man. I, I have friends that that did the same shit, man, where they get into guitar when they're 18, now they're fucking rock stars, or they get into football. They didn't start playing football until freshman year in high school. Now they're in the NFL or you know, I love that, especially when you come from a small town, especially Washington State. Go Cougs, by the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, man. That shit is like, it's all part of the story. It's what makes it's what makes you presentable. It makes fans want to get behind you, man. I really, it really is, man. Um, the fight I really got into your work was um not two seventy nine, but the one before that at the Apex. Um, because we had interviewed already. Um, yeah, we had interviewed already Eric Nixick and whatnot, and he was talking about, yeah, we're going to have these fights, and these are the fighters you got to look out for. He's in our gym. I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out. That fight was fucking bananas, man. That was bananas. Talk to me about that fight. Yeah, you know, uh, leading into this Peterson fight, I, man, my manager, like, that was literally the only fight I ever got that I asked for. Like, you know, I've asked for, like, guys, but Jason, or, you know, Jason, like, oh, I'll talk to Sean. And then um, 
And then uh, he'll come back to me and he'll be like, well, you know, that fight is not really available. Or like, we, or we got this guy, you know, Sean wants you to fight this guy or that guy. And then I just, you know, kind of, you know, go from there usually. But with the Steven Peterson fight, I, I really wanted that fight. Um, he had uh, he had called out Nate Landwehr after his fight against Chase Hooper. And I was like, Nate Landwehr was already booked up. And I was looking for a guy to fight. I'm like, oh, man, Peterson's perfect, man. Like, I love that fight. Like, because me and him, would, I guarantee you, we'd fucking have a fight of the night. Like, I mean, maybe not guaranteed, but it, it's going to be an exciting uh, fight. And so it would be a possibility for a fight of the night kind of situation. Those are the fights I'm looking for. And so I uh, I asked him, I DM'd him, and he kind of he ignored me, and I, I DM'd him again. And I started, like, started picking at, I started picking at him a little bit. I started, like, talking a little bit of shit on Instagram, like, under his comments. I would, like, post, like, little ducks and, like, I post other things like just to try to get him like just to get his attention. I'm like, like I said, I'm non-confrontational. I don't like to talk shit. I have respect for everybody. And, uh, but I was just trying to, you know, get that fight going and he had ignored me. You know? And so I was like, man, I need to, uh, you know, maybe pick at him a little bit. I started doing that. And then, uh, uh, Jason had called me and was like, yo man, we've got the Peterson fight. It's going to be February 5th. And this was like four, like almost a little over four months prior. So I was like, fuck, that's a long fucking, that's a long time. So I had to like, really like ease into a fight camp. Like, cause usually like once I know I got a fight, I'm like, Oh, let's, let's get fucking crazy. Let's just go ham. But usually it's, you know, like, like two months, you know? And so for me, I had to like really just chill for like a month and a half and then start, you know, uh, amping things up because I feel like the hard, you know, the hardest time you are on yourself physically, mentally and emotionally, like everything is during a fight camp. So, uh, I didn't want to get too, just blow, like just burnt out from you know doing four months of a fight camp so had to ease into it but long story short i ended up uh, you know getting the fight and um you know it's kind of funny too because i kind of i kind of trolled him on a on his instagram about making weight because i didn't even realize it but chase hooper the fight before that i had seen that he missed weight i was watching fights just obviously you know watching tape on my opponent seeing that he'd missed weight and i was like oh this motherfucker missed weight last time and then i'm like and then he had posted and i mean him had, had been already kind of chirping each other a little bit and uh well actually you know not not necessarily on his part he's basically just ignoring me and so i had like four or five dms that he had i don't even think he had read and so i was all like so i uh i i, I replied to his story about a meal prep and i was like man just show up and make weight and then uh he's like oh you sure like to talk shit bitch and then like we started <laughs> going back and forth and i was like and it was just like it was a little bit more comical than anything because i'm just non-confrontational and i was like I, I, it was just kind of funny to me that like I was even like having a, like a shit talking conversation with this guy. And, uh, but I think he started following me obviously after we got the fight. And, uh, so then he started seeing all my DMS and then, uh, we went back and forth for a little bit. And I even told my wife about it later on. I was like, you think this guy would, you know, have the nerve to not, not make weight after we had, like, after I talked shit to him and she's like, there's no way he's not going to show up and make weight. Sure enough. The only guy on the card to miss weight was, was Peterson <laughs> and he's 35. So it's like, I'm a big featherweight man. And, uh, you know, people ask me about that because we got fight of the night and I ended up taking like a big chunk of money from him. Uh, people ask me if I felt bad for him. And it's like, I kind of did at first, you know, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, when I was, you know, on the floor at the residency and cutting weight, that motherfucker didn't give a shit how, how I felt. You know, he didn't care that I felt like dying. You know, I'm a six foot one big featherweight, dude. Like that kid, you know, is not as big as me and he's not cutting as much weight. Uh, I mean, in, in, you know, in the whole picture of it, you know, maybe he was just, he was cheating left and right, probably leading up to it. So yeah, he might've had more weight to cut at the very end, but he wasn't as disciplined throughout the camp. And so, and I, and I, I had trolled him like five or six weeks before, like I'm pretty big right now, even cause you know, I just fought. So I'm enjoying some things. I'm a bit bigger. I'm like 172 pounds right now. But if you gave me five or six weeks, I guarantee you, I would make weight. You know, I would just, just cause it's how I am. You know, I'm, I'm disciplined about it. And I would make sure I got under the scale. I mean, I made, 150 pounds against Sean Wilson on three days notice. Like I was a bit lighter then, but I still did it, you know? And so the fact that he missed weight, you know, it was, it, I was disappointed at first, but then once hindsight is 2020 and now I love it when people miss weight. Cause I get, I get a check. I get a big check from them. You know, we are getting paid pretty good here in the UFC. So when you're talking about 20, 30% of these guys' paychecks, like some of these guys are getting paid pretty good. So when you get a chunk of that, you know, it's, it's nice. It's almost like a free rolling, but uh, to get into the fight, you know, the first round was like, ideal you know i was pressuring him i didn't take any damage was kind of like poking at him i think i busted his nose or his mouth he's bleeding at the end of the first round so i felt really good about the situation we were really clean it was almost like how like the hakeem fight was in the entirety of it like i was real clean in the hakeem fight 
And that's what that was the same game plan we had going into the Peterson. I just wanted to be cleaner than him on the feet and just frustrate him and, uh, and just keep my range. And I did that really well in the first round. But then the second round came and it was a completely different fight. Like in between the first and second round, I was standing in my corner. I was talking to my coaches and I was calm and cool and collected. And I was thinking, I was thinking in my head, like, man, that was fucking easy. Like this fight's going to, oh, this is going to be so easy. We're going to be out of here. We're going to go make our money and be done. And uh, then the second round came and I, it could be either, um, you know, there could be, you know, all, 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 sort, all sorts of variables in a fight. And I think this variable was the most important part of this part was, uh, Peterson, I think, was just a late starter. Like needed, a, you know, needed a round to get punched in the face and kind of get going. And I think that's what happened because he brought the fight to me the second round. And um, uh, you know, it was it went from being a clean technical fight on my part to just being as dirty dog fight as you could just imagine, right? And uh, you know, we both hurt each other. And uh, and I'm, but I'm just so glad the way it played out. Just having 15 minutes like that, uh, you know, sometimes is better than just going out there and smoking somebody because. You learn a lot from these fights, you know, and I learned a lot from that fight. Um, and my coaches were joking, uh, you know, about it afterwards and was like, sometimes you got to go from um, trying to uh, uh, trying to coach just to trying to encourage. Like they knew that uh, the coaching kind of went out the window, like juice is getting crazy. Like we know he's getting nuts right now. So instead of like trying to like coach him now, let's just encourage, like encourage him. Yeah. Fucking spinning flip back fist, whatever you want. Like, just like, you know, because sometimes coaches will get frustrated if you're not doing what they want. And, you know, it can kind of like if it frustrates them, it might also, you know, trans transition to the fight and the fighter to being frustrated as well. But so, you know, they got to the point where, you know, they seem to be training the gym and sometimes I get a little wild. So they knew that that was, you know, an option that might happen. So, you know, they get to the point where they, they're used to it. So they just started encouraging me. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed that fight. And it was fun, uh, and I would do it a million times with him, uh, even though I think we, I think we both definitely took a couple of years off each other's lives. Uh, but it was fun, and everybody enjoyed it, and we got fired the night. And I, you know, not only did I benefit from the win, I benefited financially uh, because he missed weight. So, uh, <laughs> and then turn around the very next fight, Hakeem misses weight, and he's never missed weight in his freaking career. So I was, you know, a little bit, I was more surprised. I wasn't like really upset because I knew it was going to be a check in my pocket. So. Um, I just wanted to make sure the fight was going to still be on. And, you know, sure enough, you know, if you're, if the commission's willing to let the fight go, then I'm definitely going to fight because they've, you know, I've been training my ass off for these fights. Everybody has, you know, we're in the gym for two months, you know, just training our butts off. I mean, I train my ass off throughout the year anyway. So like I just amp it up a bit more for the fight camps and, uh, you know, train my butt off, you know, it'd been a while since I'd fought. So I wanted to, uh, you know, I'm not going to like, I wasn't going to, I was going to be, you know, very upset if, you know, if I got pulled and I had to like reschedule something else. And so, uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised that he missed weight, but Hey man, uh, I encourage all my opponents to miss weight. It's nice to get a little, <laughs> for real. well, you know, it's funny, man, because it's funny. You mentioned like the, uh, the coaching during that fight, because I remember that that was the part that made it fucking really entertaining to watch was like, you're, I remember you coming back to the corner and like the words that you're getting, like, come on, this is your time, kid. Let's. And I was like, this is fucking the shit. I was hammered by myself. I was drinking Bruce Buffer's whiskey. I was like, this is the fucking shit. Like, fuck the technical stuff. Go kill him. I was having a great time watching that, man. It was awesome because I don't know, man. It's different. And like, I like that. That's part of your style too, man. Because I don't know if every fighter cares to an extent if the fans have a good time, but not every fighter does either. I mean, you know, like some are just so goddamn good at what they do. They don't have to care like a Floyd Mayweather, you know, like, I don't, I don't care if any fans here have a good time or not. I'm going to fuck this guy up and I'm going to do it without a scratch on my face. And it's, and, and it's going to be pretty easy. And if you're just a regular fan of the sport, like you're not like really deep into it, you may not have the best time, but you clearly care about that, you know, and not to the point where it's going to sacrifice you getting a loss, but you definitely care about bringing the war. And I think that's, that's huge, man. It's, it's fucking, that's what Dana wants. It's what the fans want. And if it can coincide with you getting W's, that's even better, man. It was that was a fucking hell of a night. I remember that shit. It was fucking, it was killer, brother. That shit was tight. I was, we were, I forgot I was watching it. I think I was watching it in my condo, man. I had my producer of the show, and uh, we we're like, it was yeah, it was during that time. It was during COVID and shit. And we're like, this is fucking epic, bro. It was, it was sick as hell. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was definitely one of my favorite fights uh, of my own for sure. You know, I have, you know, there's some fights that you just you look back on and you're like, holy shit, that was a fun one. And that was, that was, that was it, man. It's, and that's like, it's cause like, that's why it, it's not necessarily like that. Like I want to be a fan favorite. Cause I definitely do 100% want to be a fan favorite, but also 
Like when I'm in the, when I'm in the gym and I'm training, I like that kind of hectic. Nobody knows what's kind of going on thing. Like you know, you just want to. I feel like I, I fight the best sometimes in those like scrambly, like just wild positions. And so sometimes I like to try to bring that fight out in people. Obviously, you know, like you said, some people, you know, they want to be super technical and clean, like a Floyd Mayweather, and just you know get in, and get out, and be as technical as possible, and and, and take no damage. And I, I respect that too. There's a lot of guys like that in the UFC, even that uh, you know. Would rather just take someone down, lay on them, and win, and get the check and bounce and go home and be able to do it, you know, multiple times a year. But uh, for me, it's like I, I think I think there was a, been a little bit of you know uh, of kind of turning the corner, especially with the Hakeem fight, because um, like I actually did like pull my foot off the gas pedal, you know, in the third round because I knew that I was up, like I knew I was up, and I never really known like that. Most of my fights are pretty crazy and. Most of the time, I'm kind of the underdog and like the guy coming from behind to try to win. So I'd never really been in that position, especially against a guy like Hakeem, where I thought like I might have to pull out like that, you know, the fuck it card and like just go. Like I might just have to bring the fight to him. And that's kind of what I was anticipating. I was anticipating possibly being down. You know, mentally, I was thinking, man, if, if I'm down two rounds or if I'm down even the first round and I'm going to the second round, I might just pull that card out and we're just going to get fucking crazy. Like, might have to just do another Steven Peterson fight. And so, but, you know, the first round went great. You know, I almost finished him in the first round a couple of times. So I was like, oh, fuck, well, that's one round for sure for me. And I felt good about it. I was like, I got him hurt. Maybe I can do that again. The second round, second round came and, uh, you know, he had his wits about him again. So, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't like it was going to be just tap him on the chin. He was going to be down. He's, you know, a good kickboxer. So I know he's probably taking damage in the gym, been able to bounce back. So, I didn't want to rush it too much. And then I ended up taking his back and he's a hard guy to, you know, end up getting the finish, but he was easy to ride his back. So I was like, well, shit, that's two rounds. And so I'm in this corner and I'm like, am I up two rounds? And my coach is like, yeah, you're up two rounds. I'm like, well, fuck, like, shit, I don't have to get crazy now. Now I can yeah. just kind of like dance that's around. And just yeah. If I just get, if I just get to the end of this fight, I win this fight. And that's a big fucking fight for me. And it's like, you know, it just, it's a bit different when you're like, when we were talking about some of the variables, right? Like, not only are we getting paid a lot of money, so like that second paycheck is big, you know, um, but also, you know, I'm fighting a guy like Hakeem, like who is ranked pretty high, you know, like if I beat this guy, that'll put me in the type of position where I want to be, you know, so like it's even more, you know, it's even more risky to try to, 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 try to you know, bring the fight to a guy like that in the third round if I'm already up two rounds, like it's, it's you know, you know, might as well be a little safe about it, you know. It, you know, and those things run through your head in the corner. Like I'm already thinking these things, but I'm also thinking, fuck, maybe I should still get crazy. Like, you know, I'm, just, I'm really fighting like kind of the inner demons of like, sh like, should I stay safe or should I get crazy? And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I took the, I took the high road on that one and was like, you know what? Like if we have to get crazy, if, if he brings the fight to me, I'll let him do that and I'll, I'll respond accordingly. But if he's willing to just to kind of hang out and we can kind of dance around and we can tit for tat for a little bit and, uh, I can end up, you know, getting past these five minutes without any major issues. Why not? Why not just do that? I'm up two rounds. I almost got the finish. You know, it's not like I went out there and didn't try to get a finish. I really tried choking him out. I really tried knocking him out. And I almost did both. So I was like, you know what? Like this, this round needs to be for me and my family versus the the, the crowd and for the fans. So um, I did, you know, definitely take my foot off the gas. But I guarantee you, if I was down two rounds, that third round would have been fucking insane. I would have been, he would have had to put me out to uh, to win that fight at that point, or to you know, I mean, obviously he could have won by a decision if he was up the two rounds. But uh, for me, those are those are the variables that kind of go into a fight like that, right? And then you never know until you're in there too. So like, um, luckily for me, you know, I was I felt like we were we felt like I was up two rounds, and nothing's guaranteed. You never know with these judges, man. They could fucking give in. Hakeem all three rounds, you know, I've seen it happen before, you know, like what the fuck, it makes no sense. Uh, they got the wrong color or they got the wrong freaking tape on, on each other. Like we don't like they're watching the wrong guy or something, but I've watched fights where it's been like, are you watching the same fight? Who the fuck is Saul Diamanto? That guy, or who, some of these guys just don't know what they're watching. But, uh, uh, but yeah, we felt we were up two rounds and, you know, never really done that. Never really kind of just toasted, you know, a third round. I've never like, even in my like low level like pro career, it was like every single round, every single minute, every single second in the fight, all I'm thinking about is finish, finish, finish. But you know, I think that's gotten me in trouble sometimes. You know, uh, and I've lost fights because of that. You know, I've been too eager and and too willing to uh, you know 
test my chin to test their chin, you know? And so um, I think that, I think the Hakeem fight was really uh, me kind of rounding that corner and, and, and kind of trying to hone my, uh, you know, all my skills and really, you know, portray them and use them to my, to my advantage. And I felt like I did that really well. I agree, man. I think um, that's one of those fights where everyone watching goes, man, yeah, exact, they said exactly what you just said. He turned a corner. Like, this guy is not just fucking in wars anymore. He's beating people, and he's beating people convincingly. That's fucking huge. That, that's because that's huge to Dana. That's huge to everybody, man. Like, that makes everyone way more excited for the next fights, man, because now you now start putting pieces together. Oh, shit, he is a big feather. Who, who can he fight next? Oh, fuck. Julian Russell's up to come. You, you love to hear that, man. It's great. And it seems to me that like psychologically you beat him. Um, and I like what you said about the the cutting weight um, factor because, yeah, you could have a physical advantage, but I, but it's but it's like you said. I do think there's a mental advantage of of not cutting weight. Like it's sort of like it's sort of like a like stand up comedy. I always I always kind of put it that way. Where like if you prepared for your bits, you've been putting in all this time, and then now you're gonna go do a set at the comedy store, and this other guy comes and he hasn't done dick. Like you're not intimidated by him. You're really not. Yeah. And like. Don't get me wrong. He could still come and fuck the whole room up pretty good. And it, but still, like it. In other words, you're still way more confident in what you're doing. Like I prepared for this shit. I'm ready to go. Like, yeah. you know. And then if you feel you see that anxiety in their eyes a little bit, and then if you and then as soon as you kill before them, they're like, fuck, man. Now you can really see the weakness in their eyes. And I feel like after that first round, it was pretty apparent that like psychologically that you're already getting to him, um, and that he was looking for a way out. I always feel that about anything in life, dude. If you fucking if you want a way out of something, you'll look for a way out. You know, yeah. and um. That that was awesome to see, brother. It really was, man. I went with like ten fucking goons for this bachelor party, and none of them no dick about fighting. But I was like, we're gonna go because we're guys at a bachelor party. We got to see fights and tits. We'll save tits for later, but fights now. And we went. They didn't know anybody, but I was like, that guy's extreme couture. So don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna fucking get loud in this fight. So we're like, everyone thought we knew you and shit. We're the only crowd going, let's go, Julian, Juicy J. Like we fucking knew you and shit. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. The whole like the whole weight cutting thing too. It's like. Uh, you know, like people ask me all the time about the like the missing weight, and I'm like, I guarantee you, I will never miss weight. The reason why is because if I do miss weight, I'm also not fighting because my coaches are taking me to the hospital or the commission decided to not let me fight, like cut anymore. I'm not gonna like, like I was in my house cutting weight, and my wife was helping helping me cut cut the weight in the morning, and she hasn't seen me do it for a while because usually I'm with my coaches and stuff. But it was nice because we're in Vegas. I live in Vegas. And so I was able to cut in my house in my garage in the morning. I got a sauna out there. And so I was, you know, I was cutting the weight and, uh, you know, I can see it on her face and she's like, what the fuck? Like, this is insane. I can't remember. Like, it's been a while since I've watched you cut weight. And like, like if you, if you see me leading up to like walking into the fucking, you know, the pictures of me when I'm on the scale making weight, don't look that bad compared to what you see, like in my garage or you see me, you know, walking to the scale, like up close, like I'm, ever see me on a regular basis and then see me make the weight it's i'm two different people I'm, I'm, i lose you know so much weight you know i'm skinny i'm nothing but bones and fucking skin at that point it's like it's like i'm being the frame that i have it's hard to like i don't have much to lose you know like 45 is as low as i can get i can't get any lower than that there's no way i could ever do that and so i have to make sure everything's perfect for that thing and so uh that's always kind of my excuse it's like like i would never miss weight because i'd be going to the hospital at that point because i'd my my kidney would probably shut down and they'd fucking have to fucking drag me out. That's why I make sure everything's on point and everything's a hundred percent. That way that thing doesn't happen. Those things don't happen because I'm too tough mentally. You know, I'm going to, I would kill myself to try to do that. And if you're not willing to kill yourself to make the weight, how are you willing to die in the cage the next day? And not like in a you know literal sense, but like you kind of have to feel that way. Like I always, I tell my, I told my buddy uh, before this fight, it's like, he was asking me like, how, like, how, like, do I get anxious and nervous? And I'm like, like I always look at it like this: if if this is the last time that everybody anybody can see me on TV fighting for the UFC, maybe I get cut or like, or even more of like a morbid like uh, like way of thinking is like, what if I die tonight? Like if I die tonight after this fight, this is the last thing people get to see. I got to go out there and make sure I do the you know I'm willing to die for it. Like I want people to understand that I'm willing to go out there and just put it all on the line, let it all hang out. And I feel like Steven Peterson was at that fight, and um so. Like that's always kind of my mindset going into it. Even the weight cut, like the weight cut, I'm already in that mindset because I'm fucking, oh, I gotta kill, I'll kill myself to make this weight, kill myself, kill myself. And then I make the weight and I'm like, holy fuck, I did that shit. Now I'm willing to die in the cage. I'm willing to die in the cage. But 
a guy like Hakeem who missed weight, who's never missed weight in his entire life, and he's not a big guy. I mean, he's he's muscularly pretty big, but he's five eight. I'm six foot one. That's fucking. I'm almost half a foot taller than this guy. And so, uh, for him not to make the weight, he was cheating. He was cutting corners hard for sure. And then he wasn't willing to put the fucking the extra effort into getting the weight off. So, like, if you aren't willing to kill yourself on the scale, how are you going to beat me in the cage the next day? And you could, yeah, you could fucking throw a haymaker. You could fucking you know, put me in a choke and, you know, put me out. But if neither one of us get finished, there's no way you're going to beat me over 15 minutes if you can't even beat the scale. So, so like after knowing that and, uh, you know, I'm in the cage the next day, I almost felt like I was free rolling. It felt like there was such a calm about it. Like I'd already like, cause I, you know, his 30%, I, they pay Hakeem pretty good at the UFC and I had no idea. You know, I was almost double what they paid, uh, pay me, uh, for his weight cut missed and i got paid for um peterson's and i was like holy shit like they must be really paying this guy and they are and uh but the amount that they were paying him was was quite a bit and it was almost like i was i almost got my win bonus already so i'm like shit i don't even like i was like like free rolling i'm like oh man i'm like and i have like a weight off my shoulders you know and 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 i'm thinking in my head like the opposite like in his mind, he's probably like he probably feels like he's coming from behind already. Before we even step in the cage, he probably felt like he was behind because of that, and I felt like I was ahead because of that. So, mentally, psychologically, in the cage, I was chilling, I was smiling, having a good time. And when they were calling him out, and I looked at his face, I was like, "Man, this guy looks like he's just putting on a face, you know, like he's just trying to mean mug." And he's kind of like that, you know, Hakeem, mean Hakeem, like he tries to have that persona. But like, I really felt like he was just, you know, just trying to almost like. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till he makes it, kind of thing. Like in the cage at that time, like you know, I'm still gonna be me. I'm still gonna look the part. But I already knew. I already he was broken. You know, I already already knew he was broken mentally, and it was only gonna take a couple of uh, a couple of minutes for me to really, you know, uh, you know, put that into his mind. But also, you know, he's a tough kid. You know, he's he's got a million kickboxing, so he wasn't just gonna give up and roll over. So, and this ain't a, this ain't a small show. So you're not gonna get guys that are just going to roll over on you or, and, you know, we're just going to try to get find a way out. I think he's still there trying to win a fight, but I think he was just broken uh, leading into that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's always fascinating to me how performance is mostly mental, man. It's so crazy to me how that's so true. It in fucking everything too, man. I literally, I went, um, I'm not a gun guy. I barely shoot. Um, I think they're awesome. You know, I think we should all have them, but, um, I fucking get bored by it. If I'm just being honest. Yeah. And like last month, my buddy's like, dude, you got to come with me and trust me. You just don't go with the right guys. It'll be fun. We'll have a good time. I was like, whatever, man, let's go. Sounds like a good time. And we went and they give you all the disclaimers first. Same thing. Like the, you know, watch out for the recall. Watch out for this, man. Make sure you do this. Like, you know, like if you're not, if you don't want to handle it well, this isn't how I was like, I'm not going to be afraid of this bitch ass gun, dog. I'm you're not, you're already trying to get me mentally like, and you can see the guys who are when they hold it, they go, huh. They hold it like a little pussy yeah, and shit. Like, yeah. oh my love. And you can see them shoot it like, oh, and then. We did it. We had a contest. I never shoot ever. I think I've shot like twice in my life. And I literally got a perfect score on all on everything we did. And I was like, because the mental, like, I, well, I'm not going to let this fucking bitch take me over. I, I'm control of it. I'm not going to yeah. be surprised. I'm not going to guess. You know, it's funny when they say, like, are, are you anxious or are you nervous before your fight? You're like, man, I'm anxious and nervous going to the grocery store. Yeah, fucking. I'm, yeah, of course. But I put that shit down because this is war. This is business. You yeah. know, and once you get in that mindset, you know, I feel and I feel like it starts when you're young, too, man. It really does. Like. And I, me, I always related to baseball when I was a kid because um, you always played, I played shortstop. And like when you play that position, when you get a ground ball, you can't sit and wait for the ball. You can't yeah. be like, what was this ball going to do? I don't really know. Let's see. Let's see. Let's give it a couple bounces and figure it out. You're already lost. You're going to make an error. It's going to hit you in the nuts or the fucking dick or go in the face. It's going to go through your legs. That ball's hit. You better run at that motherfucker right away. And then you charge it. You get a nice hop. And then you get a good ball first. And then you're like, whoa, shit. Like, but if you didn't make that mental decision first, I'm running at this bitch. I ain't running away from nothing. And that kind of translates to literally everything. So, like, yeah. I'm sure you get those questions all the time. You know, are you anxious? And you're like, no, fucking, yeah, no shit. But not today. Now, this is business. This is war. And, like, your mentality coming in, I feel like you can see sometimes who has it. And, you know, and it's not a matter. And it's, it's not until the fucking fight starts until you know who really has it. Because you can, the walk can be deceiving. Some people can look like they have it. Some people can look, and then next you know the fight starts. You're like, oh my god, got walked in looking all gangster and shit. And then the first round, he's already given up. You're like, all right. So, um, I think that's what I respect about you the most, man. Is like you can tell you have that business like attitude where this is war, and it's not like in a fucking confrontational way, like you said. I I do think I know a lot of people like you, man. Where 
they truly aren't confrontational, but like they're but they're animals, they're savages, they're fucking martial arts. And a lot of times that's how people got into it. A lot of times yeah. that's how people were like, I don't like the idea of fighting. I don't like to fuck with people. I'm a nice guy. Um, but I would like to be prepared if that situation ever came along. Um, because I don't like going out unprepared. It feels like shit. So I'm gonna go learn. And the next thing you know, they go every day. They go every day, and then they turn into fucking animals. And now, now they're the fucking, they're the least confrontational by far, but they're the, they're the most prepared motherfuckers around the room. And everyone's like, damn, I like that, man. It's like something that, like, especially even doing this, like, I respect people like you, man, who have that mindset. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, if you go out with anybody that's like a, <clears throat> like an actual true fighter or a true martial artist, <clears throat> those guys are like the guys that are, <clears throat> excuse me. And those guys are like the guys that are going to like not try to fight the most. Like if I go out to the bar and I see people fight, I'm like, even if I watch, even if I seen two strangers getting into it, I'd probably go, I, I'd be more apt to go up to him. Like, Hey man, let's just get a beer. Let's just enjoy ourselves. We're going to have a good time. Like let's not fight. Like I feel like like true fighters and true martial artists are like, are those types of people or, or end up, you know, gaining that, you know, the gain that, uh, you know, that just kind of that peaceful mindset and just wanting to get people to like not to fight. And, uh, don't get me wrong, though. If a fight breaks out, I'm gonna watch and I'm gonna enjoy it. <laughs> but, exactly. I, but I'm just so non-confrontational. If someone came up to me and was talking shit, I like especially at like a bar or something, I'd probably I'm I'm just so like just chill. Like I'm just like, no, it's fine, dude. I, like I get paid to do this shit. I can do it for free right now. But um, the whole like mindset thing is funny because um uh like here's a little like a little example of like how small things can really add up to big things. Like, so I think it was a couple of fights ago. The UFC has my record messed up. They so like sometimes I say I'm not I have nine losses, but sometimes they say I have ten losses. I have nine losses, so I was twenty. It was either twenty six and nine or twenty seven and nine. But Bruce Buffer's calling my name, and he says twenty seven and ten. And I'm like, no, motherfucker, it's right <laughs> in the cage. And I don't even, I never even seen the paperwork. I had no idea they had my, my my record wrong. But he says 27 and 10, and I was 27 and nine. And I was all like, is he like foreshadowing what's gonna happen? Like, like is he already foreshadowing foreshadowing my loss right now? Because he says I'm 27 and 10, and that's what I'm gonna be if I lose this fight. Like. It's just like, and that's like, it's such a stupid thing to even think about. Like, it's one of those, like, it's a small error on their part, whatever it was. But the fact that they were saying that, and that was even just like rolling through my mind is something that could, and then like, literally after I thought that, I was like, fuck that. Like, what the fuck <laughs> am I doing? Like, fuck that shit. Like, like you, but it's like, so it's something that could, I could see easily, like just little things like that, that could really get someone's like, uh, you know, their mental game off. And then, uh, you know, it, it could snowball into something big. Right. And. And so, like, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, and that's what that's how I feel about it. Like, uh, you know, I you know, perception is everything as well. Like, you look at like look at a guy like Hakeem. You know, he was I think six and two in the UFC before he fought me, and a lot of good guys. I mean, he fought a guy who had fucking Khabib and Islam in his corner, and he ended up beating the guy in Abu Dhabi. And like, that takes a lot of mental strength. And so, like, me watching his fights, getting ready for him, I'm like, you know, you can like your perception of that guy can can really skyrocket and really snowball into something bad like you could be like oh my god this guy's unbeatable like how can i beat him man this guy's fucking you know he's obviously he's there mentally physically he's got everything going for him and you know watching guys fight like that and seeing them you know watching their tape you can start doing that and so you really just have to take it with a grain of salt like everybody can look good on any given night and you know what i'm saying so like anybody can win any fight and anybody can do anything and you know so you really got to be able to separate those things and and just understand that uh you know your perception of something can really screw you up or it could really um help you out and so for me just you know even the the weight loss weight cut miss you know i knew he missed weight and i'm like all right he's probably broken mentally but still in my head i'm I'm starting i'm still trying to perceive him as being ready to fight so you know he's ready to fight i'm going in there ready to fight Yes, he might be, you know, I might be able to break him a little easier, but we'll see how that goes. I'm not going to just be like, oh, this guy's fucking done. Like, I'm going to go fucking punch him one time. He's going to be done. He's still trying to knock me out. He's still trying to win a fight, you know. So, um, you know, it's just funny how those things can happen. But that's like one story I always like to tell when I'm talking about like the mental thing. Because I feel like I'm pretty mentally just uh, prepared and just relaxed most times. But even that was like, 
27 and 10. I'm 27 and 9, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you better not be fucking like trying to like put some voodoo <laughs> on me to lose this fight. And but it's like something that goes through my mind, and I could see if somebody is like you know a little more mentally unstable could start thinking that and like lose a fight just because of something so stupid like that. Like they start thinking it like right before a fight, and they go in there and they just don't they freeze up because of it or something, you know. So uh, yeah, you definitely got to be uh, you know very very mentally pliable and just you know understand and just be able to just kind of go with the flow in some sense yeah you know it's funny it reminds you of like just small like if anyone who is not a fighter want to relate to that it's like it's like going out man you feel good you're wearing your clothes you look sharp and then your buddy's like uh oh, he has a t-shirt company or whatever and you're like hey man i like those shirts he's like yeah cool what do you wear large and you're like i wear medium and he's like oh okay and you're like fuck now the rest of the night everyone thinks i'm fat and shit like and then <laughs> you can get in your head you're like no dude i swear i'm medium and you're like i swear it's not large and <laughs> i can fuck you up now you're going the whole night like do i look like shit do i not look like shit what the fuck you know, that, that's, that's small. It's really that's something that little, dude. Yeah, easily. You know, or just like, yeah, like, or you could be dressed up to the nines ready to go out and you spill something on yourself like at dinner and you're like, fuck, man, like, I love this outfit, but now I got the stain on it. Like, oh. you know, like, any, <laughs> any, any little detail can really kind of fuck you up. And, uh, you know, if you're not, you know, able to prepare yourself for these things, you know, you know, like pre fight, especially or like pre whatever you're doing, you know, um, you can definitely take a toll. Absolutely. So what's next for Julian and Rosa, man? That's uh that's what everyone's looking forward to right now, man. What do you got in the works? Well, uh, so uh, uh Damon Jackson won his fight. Um Andre Feely won his fight the weekend after, which was just last weekend. Um, and so I figured possibly, you know, those matchups were like kind of hovering around the matchup that I had with Hakeem, you know, uh I'd be a, a pretty high level dude, you know, in, in our division. So I figure one of those guys, and then Damon beat Pat Sabatini, and I think Pat is pretty high up there as well. So um, I figured maybe one of those guys, uh, Damon Jackson, um, had, uh, had posted on the UFC Florida uh, December 3rd and asked, like, I tagged me in it, and it said, what are you doing uh, on this day? Would you want to you know, mix it up? I feel like this fight's going to happen sooner or later. And so immediately I screenshot it, sent it to my coaches, and then also sent it to my management, which is also his management. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have managers talking to each other. We have the same manager, so it works out pretty easy in that sense. But uh, I like the fight. I think it'd be a fun one. It's you know, good timing for me as well. So uh, um, I think it'd be a fun one to do. Uh, I, you know, it's, still, it's still kind of being talked about. So uh, Sean, uh, Jason asked, said he would ask Sean and see what he says about it. And figure it's like, Probably one that makes sense. You know, he's got a few wins in a row. He's he's you know, he's beating some pretty good dudes. Same here. And then uh, you know, we're kind of hovering in that same area of uh of the levels that we're beating. And um and I think that me and him would have a have a fun matchup. We're both tall, lanky guys. Uh, he's a bit more grapple heavy. I'm a bit more striker heavy. So it'd be a it'd be a fun little uh, uh matchup and to see who can kind of get over on the other and um. But yeah, that's I mean I'd be down for that fight. Uh, I'd also be down for any of these other fights. You know uh. Uh, I'm not necessarily looking to try to like, you know, get into the top five, 10, top five, you know, fight for a belt per se. I mean, I, I always want to be the best fighter that I can be, but I also want to just like, I, I want to have like fun matchups, like fun guys to fight and put on a, a bit of a show as well. Because like I said, you know, that's kind of what I look for. Uh, I want fights that are going to be, you know, fun and entertaining, but I also want to, you know, have ones that are going to be, um, you know, also help me, you know, move up as well. So. Uh, I think I think uh, Damon Jackson would be a fun one, and uh, I think that kind of be like an like a like an eliminator for like like who's kind of hovering around that area, you know. And so uh, uh, December third would be nice, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'd be happy to see it, man. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to. It. We just uh, interviewed um, your coach Eddie Baraka last week, man, and we were talking about shit like that. So super cool, man. I'm looking forward to, it, dude. Thanks for stopping by today, man. Of course, man. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, bro. Do me a favor. Tell everyone your social media, where they can find you and, and stuff like that, man. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, Instagram is the best way to reach out to me, uh, Julian underscore Rosa. Um, and then, uh, you know, Facebook, I don't really, <laughs> I don't think much, many people do Facebook anymore. But if you want to hit me up on MySpace, man, hit me up there. There it is. Fuck yeah. Sick profile song, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, <laughs> that's funny. Um but yeah, yeah. Uh, usually Instagram's the easiest way to reach out to me. But uh, I always like to thank 
my management, man, because my management has done, you know, wonders with my career. You know, I went from one and four cut twice all the way to, uh, you know, five out of my last six fights uh, on a three fight winning streak right now. So doing really well and, and been able to be successful uh, in part to them, because without them, I don't know if I didn't get that Sean Woodson fight and I didn't get back in the UFC. I mean, I don't know where I'd be right now. I, don't, I mean, I was at the point where I was possibly changing career paths. But um, uh, for the you know, I was so I was like to thank Jason House and Iridium Sports Agency and all the whole crew that they have. They have a bunch of guys over there that make sure my weight is going good, make sure my diet's good, you know, making sure I have all the things I need on the fight week, um, and willing to uh, you know, extend themselves to help us out. And so, I always got to thank them, man, and uh, thank you for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. That goes to humility, man, because they may have given you the opportunity, but you're the one preparing and, and putting in the work, man. So I love that, man. Alternate take. This has been a great time. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with UFC fighter Julian Juicy J. Arosa. Thanks for stopping in, man. I really do appreciate it, dude. Uh, glad to call you a friend and can't wait for your fucking next fight, dude. It's going to be fucking awesome. In the meantime, all of you Juicy J fans out there, I put all of his information in the podcast description. So go check that shit out and get caught up on all things Arosa. And thanks for stopping in. This is always a blast, man. I always have a good time doing this. And you already know how it goes, man. I'm going to bring you guys one episode a week, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So this has been Alternate Take. My name is Danny Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.